Want to talk about a new movie? Check. Want to talk about an older movie similar or related to that new movie? Check. That's what you can expect from Quality Check Podcast. It's a new podcast on the Studio DNA Network hosted by yours truly, Drew Douglas and Daniel Posey. Every other Tuesday, we'll talk about a new movie and an old movie to see how the film's quality holds up. Hello, welcome to the Wobizzle podcast for female freelancers and solopreneurs. I'm Michelle. And I'm Melissa. And we're here to help you thrive in a career where you set the terms. Let's get started. Welcome to Season 2, Episode 5 of the Wobizzle Podcast. This this episode's going to be fun, I think. It's going to... Yeah. It's gonna, yeah. <laughs> it is five things we wish we'd known before we started freelancing. So, and, and it you, was hard to stop at five. Yes, it was hard to stop at five. I think when I initially pitched it, I pitched it the idea as we would come together and share five total. <laughs> But pretty quickly, yeah. I had six already written down, and then I think you had six, and we're going to stick with five each for this. Yes, five each. <laughs> Although so, we agree, I think, a lot on each other's. Definitely, there's a lot that that we have had in common for sure. So, so you've been you've been freelancing quite a bit longer than I have. What did you kind of have to learn on your own that took you a while to learn? Well. I need to, you know, kind of clarify that. I think that these lessons for me started when I started doing marketing work, marketing copywriting, because the first part of my career, I worked as a journalist, and that was kind of a completely different set of rules. But in terms of marketing and copywriting, the one thing I wish I had, if I had to pick one thing out of all of these five, it would be to have faith in yourself, be a professional. Mm-hmm. Um and that was so much easier said than done for me at first. And I floundered and I was like, but they want to pay me. Well, of course they wanted to pay me because I'm a professional and you just have to have confidence in your skill set and in what you're bringing to the table. Because guess what? They don't have the ability to do it in house. Even if they have the talent, the talent is maxed. They need your skill set. So you need to walk into the room, you know, literally or figuratively and own that. Yeah. So it's not a situation where, I mean, we're all grateful for our clients, of course, but it's not a a situation where they're doing you a favor by hiring you. No. I mean, yes, but no. (laughs) It's kind of like if my hot water heater goes out, I'm going to call a plumber. You know, I could maybe Google some videos and my husband and I could maybe figure out how to do it halfway before something blew up, you know. But there's certain times you just need to call a professional. And I think whether you're a writer, whether you're a graphic designer, whether you're a photographer, whether you're a web developer, whatever you are, you are a professional. You are bringing a skill to the table. You need to acknowledge that. And once you do, your clients will be more likely to acknowledge it too. You're not a college student looking for an internship. You're not a, you know, this isn't a side hustle. This is what you do. You are a professional. And I think if you, the sooner you can own that, the sooner you can set your rates, the sooner you can cultivate a really great group of clients, and the sooner you can kind of quit chasing your own self around the block, if that makes any sense. Well, and I think that not only creative professionals, but maybe particularly women, sometimes we get caught up in this imposter syndrome kind Mm -hmm. of deal where we don't quite feel like we're worthy. So, or we don't quite feel like we 
know as much as we should know, or we think we ought to know. But the reality is, if somebody is calling you, they have a project for you, they've selected you because they know that you have the skills, mm-hmm. and they believe that you have the skills that can help them out. And they they need that professional service. To your point, just if you if you had a plumbing emergency, if you had a air conditioning emergency, any anything like that, you're you're going to call a professional in to help. And it's, it's the same kind of situation. We need to stop feeling like anybody can do what we do. Exactly. And because I think for can't. writers as well, really for any creative, right. But for writers, for photographers, I mean, everybody has an iPhone now with a great camera, but that doesn't make them a photographer. Mm-hmm. That doesn't, un- they don't understand light and shadow and all of the things that make professional photographers so wonderful. Everybody went to mm-hmm. high school English class. Everybody can post a blog. That doesn't make them a writer. You know, mm-hmm. um, everybody can go to Squarespace and build a website, but that doesn't make them a website developer. I mean, there's skill and practice and study and time that goes into being who you are. So you need to be compensated for that. If you can do a job in 10 minutes, but it took you 10 years to be able to do that job in 10 minutes, you need to charge for that 10 years of experience Mm -hmm. or that 20 years of experience. And I get it. You know, when I started first with my marketing copywriting type work, I had just watched all of my print publications that I'd written for for years and years slowly fold. You know, this was in the early 2000s. Everything was shifting. Um, I'd gone through a divorce. I was rebuilding literally everything about my life. And so if somebody wanted to pay me to do something, I was all about it. You know, I was like, (laughs) thank you. You know, I was trying to build a book. Like I knew I was starting over. And um, so I probably took some low paying jobs and some less than respectful gigs in effort to do that. I knew what I was getting into. But I think if I would have been able to own my talent sooner, I could have raised my rate sooner. I could have been comfortable doing it. Could have had better clients. Just have faith, you know, fake it till you make it. If you're not confident, get a buddy. You've been in a room with me before and pushed me to raise my rates. And I did. <laughs> yeah. So how long, how long do you feel like it took you to get there? And what do you feel like maybe helped you get there? You'll laugh if I tell you how long it took me to get there because I still am not sure if I'm there some days. Sure. But I think that it probably took me a good five years. We had a major um, healthcare system called me one day and they had been referred to me by someone. And I don't know who still to this day referred me to them, but it was such a portfolio builder. I got so excited. I pulled over and I, you know, I called Gary and I was like, Oh my gosh, you're not going to believe this call. I just got, I don't know what to do. And he, he just got really quiet and he was like, well, call him back. (laughs) You know, and I was sweating. I pulled over on the side of the road, holding my cell phone. And his, in his mind, he was like, you're a writer. You pick up the phone and you call them back. Like they called you. If you get to the point you're talking to someone, they've taken notice of your skill. So own Mm -hmm. it. Yeah. Yeah. How do you, how do you feel like, what do you feel like had to happen maybe within yourself to get you there? I think we've all had those projects that just, you know, you just killed it, you know? Yeah. And I had, I had a few of those come together just like lightning strikes. And I was like, this is amazing. And for me, what it really, really was, 
was when I had left a long-term contract with an ad agency and I had a client call the ad agency owner asking if she could leave with me. Whoa. Yeah. (laughs) That was a pretty big moment. And it was like, huh, maybe I do know what I'm doing, you know, and (laughs) we ended up sharing that client for three more years. I did for her what I had always done and he did for her what he had always done. Oh, wow. Well, that's, yeah. yeah. That was, that was a big moment. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's really just about confidence, having confidence in yourself. And, you know, so sometimes we can so focus on the negative, maybe some, when something didn't go exactly the way it should have, or we wanted it, or we didn't do our best job or whatever on it. But think about all the times that you've done a great job, all the times that you have just nailed it. And that's what we really need to focus on is that, uh, that po- those positives as I used to keep a, when I worked at um, the TV station, we would get calls all the time. And the only people who would ever call would be the people who were upset about something that you right. had done, you know? And so nobody ever called to say, great job. Um, but the rare occasions that that did happen where we got an email or back in the day when somebody would actually take the time to write a note and put it in the mail, I would oh, keep the notes. Yeah. yeah. I would keep those in my drawer and if I was having a rough day, I would pull, I'd open that drawer and I'd look at that, look at that pile of paper and go through things. Mm-hmm. And be like, okay, I am doing a good job. Yeah. Things are, things are okay. Everything is okay. Right. But I think sometimes right. we, do, we do get so quickly focused. It's so easy to focus on the negative and not remember all of the great things that you've done, all of the achievements mm-hmm. you've had, all the times that you've really helped a client, even in small ways. So yeah. So what, what's one for you? What's the number one thing you wish you would have known when you started? Well, you know, stuff with me is always so uh, kind of more on the practical side, I guess, than the emotional side or whatever. <laughs> so, but uh, the one thing that I wish I had known was that not everyone's going to pay you on time. Oh, yes. Yeah. And I didn't. It's a good one. It is a good one. I didn't fully understand this one until because my first couple of clients, I had two clients when I first started that did pay me on time that were great clients. So the first like six months I was in business, I had no problems with this. I didn't know this existed. I didn't know this was a thing. And then, uh, then I started experiencing it. And, you know, it's one of those things I've been doing this for eight years now and it doesn't go away. I'm just going to tell you, Uh be honest with you. It doesn't go away. I did a quick check of, uh, last year's invoices for me. And I had 22% of my clients of my invoices, not my clients, because there were a couple of repeat offenders, 22% of my invoices last year went 30 plus days. And the longest one was 64 days, 64 days. And it was not alone. There were several that were right hovering in that area. There were a couple that were over 60 and there were several that were just like right up there, 58 days, that type of thing. So my average, uh, from the time I invoiced my average, the average time it took people to pay me was 17 days. So I had a lot of people that were paying me on time for that average to be there. But I had yeah, 22% were 30 plus days. And what but what I find fascinating is that this year 2020, we're in the middle of a Mm -hmm. global pandemic. Okay, businesses are 
are suffering. Struggling. Yes. 2020, I have had, guess how many I've had over 30 days? Seven. Zero. 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 My longest one has been 23. And my average has been eight days. Wow. Well done. Yeah. I don't know what I did. I don't know what I did. (laughs) Because I'm really pretty much doing things the same way. But, you know, just just kind of it's a lesson that it doesn't matter how long you've been doing it. I'm sure you still have situations where you'll have people that will pay late. It's just part, it's part of, it's part of the business. It's part, it's, it's, you're going to encounter it. So the only thing you can kind of do is try to mitigate it. And what I found some of the things that I try to do to do that obviously are, I cut off repeat offenders. If somebody is going to be routinely late really late, not a day or two mm-hmm. or even a week, right. really late. If they're going to push it up to 60 days or more and they're going to do that more, more than once. And they're not going to have like a good reason. I've, I've worked with clients in the past that have said, we're really struggling right now. We are going to pay you, but you know, they've communicated, they've had that. Well, things happen. Right. And I'm right. okay if somebody communicates. Yeah. And so I know, okay, they're, they're going to, through a rough patch. I can, I can be patient with them and, and, help them. But cutting off repeat offenders, I think is huge, because you just don't need to be treated that way. You just Well, and that ties into what we were talking about, about mine, be a professional, don't mm-hmm. put yourself in the situation where you're like, call, you know, stressing, calling someone for the for the late payment, they owe you money, you've performed a service, they haven't paid on time. Exactly, exactly. And one of the things is, I think just, if you get into the mindset of planning for it, understanding mm-hmm. that not all of your invoices are going to get paid on time. So, so then you can, you know, invoice immediately invoice immediately after the project is, is finished or when you're at a milestone that requires an invoice or calls right. for an invoice. If you invoice immediately, the faster you invoice, the faster you're going to get paid. And so that helps and then a, a few other things I've been doing, making terms very clear, especially with new, new clients, mm-hmm. making sure they understand what the payment terms are and, and putting a late fee on the invoice. Right. Oh, yeah. That's, that's a must. Because here's the thing. Even if they don't, even if they don't pay on time, they, if you do get that late fee, you're going to feel better about waiting for the payment. So, and that does, I think it does incentivize some clients to, to get right. that paid. So, well, they know you're done messing around too. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And a big thing is just following up too. So many people yeah. will just sit, sit there and wait and be scared and <laughs> be nervous and be upset that their checks aren't, aren't coming. But sometimes right. they just get lost on somebody's desk or they mm-hmm. get, I had a client last year, one of my, one of my folks that was late, that was pr- fairly late. She had had a software issue. And she was basically having to read print checks and do all this stuff. So she, when I called to follow up uh, to check on her, she was like, Oh, I've been in the middle of this week long nightmare I'm paying everybody late. Here's what's happened. So sometimes that stuff happens and you, right. so, but you've got to follow up. You got to stay top of mind, just like you're going to try mm-hmm. to stay top of mind from a marketing perspective. You want to make sure that they know that that invoice hasn't been paid. So I usually start, uh, my invoices are due upon receipt. I usually don't start following up until it depends on the client, but maybe about 20, 20 days 
And then definitely at 30 days, I'm following up. Right. Yeah, 30 days, and then you follow up. My software will let you do it every seven. Oh, yeah. I don't do the automatic, like, pest, you know, like, it's me again, but I do follow up. Yeah. I mean, luckily, I haven't had that situation lately, but I've had it enough times. I should get a tattoo. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So that's that's definitely. Or the t-shirt or whatever it is. You know, get the tattoo, the t-shirt. Like, it's happened enough that, oh. Yeah. So that's definitely something that I I wish I had known before, wish someone had told me before I started, just so I would have been better kind of mentally prepared for that. Right. Because the first the first time it happens, you're kind of you 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 don't know what to do. You're and you're probably counting on the money because you've not planned for it. Well, and, you know, if you come from a nine to five or a job, you're used to getting paid every two weeks or every week or every month or whatever your cycle is. That doesn't happen anymore once you right. go out on your own. Yeah, yeah, and so, that's hard for people making the leap. Yeah, and I mean, how many times? How many times did I peel out of the driveway as soon as the check landed in the oh mailbox to try to scream to my bank in time to get it deposited. So it would, it would be deposited for that day. You know, it's mm-hmm. so many times are just waiting for the, you've talked about how you stalking your mail person. Oh my gosh, I know. <laughs> and in my new house, she's still my mail person. And I don't stalk her as much because I get a lot of direct deposit, you know, ACH mm-hmm. stuff now. Yeah. But I, I wonder sometimes, does she still, does she remember me? You know, for yeah. the old house, does she think I'm crazy still? <laughs> yeah. Because I, I'm not meeting her on the porch like I did before. Right. Like, oh, it's you. you know. <laughs> Any checks for me? <laughs> with a crazy right. look in your eye. <laughs> well, and, and you raise a good point that with ACH, direct deposit, also PayPal, there's a ton of ways that you can get paid uh, online nowadays yeah. too. And I have been doing a lot of that. A lot of my clients, even folks locally, I'm down to maybe one or two that actually send me a paper check. Yeah, I have two. Well, and one thing that I, I did too, is I have a client that I work with pretty regularly. It's not a retainer or anything like that, but it's, you know, probably do seven or eight projects with him a year. Mm-hmm. And it was just a matter of asking, Hey, can you, yeah. is there a way that you can pay me electronically? I was traveling a lot at the time. I think we set it up last year and I was traveling a lot last year back when we could travel. Right. Back in the old days. days. Yeah. And uh, I, uh, so I was, I was going to be gone and then, you know, expecting checks to come and I didn't want my checks just sitting even in my held mail. And, uh, and so, yeah, I just asked, I was like, Hey, is there, is that possible? And he's right. sure. He said, sure, absolutely. And we had it set up within two days and now I get paid. I was getting paid within uh, seven days from him. He is a really solid pay cycle within seven days of invoicing. And now it's within three. So sweet, sweet. So that's, that helps. That's, that's huge. But yeah, just, just know that not everybody's going to pay you on time and, uh, and do your best to try to mitigate it. That's right. all you can do. Well, and that ties in with one of my five. And I think, I don't remember when I started doing this and I think you pushed me to do it more. Mm-hmm. Um, was require a deposit. If it's a new yeah. client and it's mm-hmm. a big job, you don't want to do it where you're invoicing at the end because number one, you're probably going to need the money. Mm-hmm. Number two, you need to kind of set the framework. So require, you know, a quarter or half, you know, a third or half up front. 
require, mm-hmm. you know, require some more at a midway point and then finalize the project and, and require the end. But just really spell that out up front because number one, you're getting money to get started. Mm-hmm. Yes. And that's something I don't think that I, oh, I know I didn't know to do. No, I didn't beginning. know in the beginning, huh? No. And I did learn that pretty quickly. I think I've told the story before where I, I pretty early on, I got uh, stiffed for about three grand worth of work. And if I had required a deposit up front, first of all, they probably wouldn't have wouldn't have moved forward with the project because they probably right. didn't have yeah, the if money. They're waffling on the deposit. You, you need to rethink your relationship right away. Yes. Yes. So, uh, but yeah, now I know, and it varies. It varies for me from client to client. If it's a new client, it may be anywhere between 20 and 50%, depending on the size mm-hmm. of the project. If it's a, a client I work with regularly, I don't really, unless I need, unless it's going to be like right. a really big project and I need to get money, you know, in advance to get it rolling. So, mm-hmm. but um, yeah, it yeah. kind of depends on the scope of the project, but I think it's super important with new clients. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good one. That is a good one. So what uh, what's, what's your number two? My number two is, and I had someone tell me this, you don't have to meet people in person. I love it, that. And, and it's so right because a lot of my clients aren't local anyway. And we right. do just fine. Some of them I've never met face to face. We do just mm-hmm. fine. But sometimes when you're local, people kind of, and maybe even you do, expect to kind of have to meet to get that project started. Right. And it's just, it's just not always necessary. Sometimes it's necessary. But it's not. Well, I'm more prone necessary. to meetings than you are. But I really think that I mean, I've always taken more meetings than you do. Mm-hmm. For me, I kind of, you know, this is back in the olden days, but mm-hmm. I kind of like to because it breaks up the monotony if I can schedule sure. it right. But I think with the advent of COVID, I mean, once even COVID goes away, we've all gotten so adept and so comfortable via Zoom. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't foresee people asking for as many face-to-face just because we've redefined meetings, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, that's my opinion. I would much rather have a 30 minute zoom call with somebody moving forward than I would be to drive downtown to somebody's office. You know, that's, that's a mm-hmm. whole thing. You've got to dress differently. I mean, in zoom, I can wear yoga pants and a nice top. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yes, yeah. you've got to dress, you got to go, you got to park, you, then you've got to come, you know, you've got to prepare and you've got to come down and it's just, it's a much bigger deal than a 30 minute meeting. I don't want, I'm, I'm not going to do it moving forward. If you can do it by email or by the phone, do it that way. Right. Well, another big one for me is taxes. So, oh. I mean, I knew I, so I'd worked a day job all my life and, right. and I, of course I knew I was going to have to pay taxes and it was going to be a certain percentage, but I think you don't really fully realize it when you're working for someone <laughs> else you don't really fully realize the impact because it's always been taken out of your check. Right. You never touch it. FICA takes it. Everybody takes it before it's in your hand. Yeah. For yourself. Yeah. You get a $500 check in the mail and you're like, I got $500. No, you don't. No, (laughs) no, you don't. You got 400 if you're lucky. You've got to factor that in. You've got to factor taxes. You have to factor well, your health care insurance, all of that stuff. You've got to factor right. into your rate. So get You've your rate factor right. in your real estate, your mm-hmm. equipment, your licensures, your software packages. 
mm-hmm. all that that's on you, your health insurance, your taxes, mm-hmm. your, you know, all of your services, you've got to have faster internet if you're doing video, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Like you might think, woo, I made a hundred dollars an hour. No, no, you didn't. Yeah. I mean, so when you're setting rate, those costs. Yeah. If you make, $25 an hour at your day job and you're thinking about freelancing, don't decide that you're going to freelance, freelance $30. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, <laughs> it needs to be no. much, much higher than that. So that was one thing. And also, you know, obviously you have to put money aside when you get paid, you have to put money aside, mm-hmm. but then just getting help with it. It's worth the investment to have a tax professional get, and I do provide you. help. Yes, I do too. Yeah. It's, it's just, it's, it's worth it. It's not that expensive. Oh yeah. And she tells me what to pay, when to pay it. You know, I don't have to think about it. My number three would be don't give away the farm. Oh yes. Yes. I had this happen, especially <laughs> when I was early, early yeah. on rebuilding my portfolio, trying so hard, just wanting to succeed so badly. And yeah. I would have people call wanting to, you know, set up a meeting to discuss me, maybe come to work for them or taking on a project for them or whatever. And I had this one guy and I still get so mad every time I think about him. Oh my gosh. I was so green and I was so early in this. And he, um, he not only got me to explain to him what I was going to do for him, for this proposal, he got me to explain to him exactly how I was going to do it. So by the end of our meeting, he didn't need me at all. I'd already told him what I would do for free, you know, mm-hmm. and obviously we never did connect, but you're, you're going to have people once you hang out your shingle who want to pick your brain, who mm-hmm. want to get your advice. They want to know what you know for free. Right. And, you know, mm-hmm. if they're, if they're colleagues and they're trying to learn how to do what you do, share as much as you're comfortable with. I mean, you know, that's different, but if it's a potential client, Mm-hmm. who wants yeah. to pick your brain but not pay you for that time, that's not okay. Don't give it away. Yeah, it's not okay. You know, occasionally I'll have uh, friends that are in business that will want to, and they'll want to pay for an hour of my consulting or whatever. If they're a good friend, I, I'm always uncomfortable about actually doing business with friends. I don't I don't charge people who are my good friends. Yeah, so I... That. Right. So I'll let them, I usually charge them, you know, a couple glasses of wine at their house, yeah. you know, so <laughs> I'll come to your house. We'll sit in your living room. You'll, you'll pour me a glass of wine or two and I'll tell you, I'll answer every question you've got. And right. so, so in those situations, that's fine. But if it is a potential client, if it's a stranger or a, just a or loose someone you don't know, well, yeah, no. If if it's a good friend of mine and I'm going to be having a drink with them anyway, or I'm going to be somewhere with them anyway, if they have questions, I've got answers. Mm -hmm. But if it's somebody I met once at a networking event, no. Yeah. And I think that, I think that comes from, especially when you're, you're early on in in doing this is that you want to impress. You want to, you want to close the deal. And you think Mm -hmm. the more that I give, the more I show them how much I know and how great I'm I'm knowledgeable. Right. Yeah that the more likely you are to close the deal. But no, I've had that happen as well. Where and then you just walk away think, Oh, my gosh, I, it, it's just, I just remembered this one. Time. <laughs> oh, 
Oh my gosh. I'm not going to mention the organization, but it is a very well-known city, tourist city in the United States that called me on a referral. I do a lot of work in chambers of commerce and uh, it was a chamber of commerce in a, in a tourist town. You would know, everyone would know. (laughs) And um, they called and uh, they needed a, they needed some market research done and uh, a campaign. They were, they were facing a very specific problem that they needed solved and they needed market research done within their business community. And then a, a campaign created once the research was done. So I was on it. I was on the case. Um, I contacted, I have a friend, a former colleague in market research. I con- and So she was in chambers as well. We're a perfect team for this pull together this proposal, this, and it took, it felt like years. <laughs> it oh. definitely, definitely took weeks to pull this proposal oh, together. God. Weeks. And I, and I really, I wanted this. This was a, this community is a brand name. Like if I had had it on my, in my portfolio, people would have, it would have caught attention. Right. And so, nice. so I do all this and I send it to them. And the guy, and I felt badly for the, my contact because he was not a marketing person. He was like some back office guy that just got tasked Mm -hmm. with this. And so I didn't really blame him, but it was like, I couldn't believe how it all turned out. But he, uh, I, I send him the proposal and he contacts me a few weeks later and says, uh, this is really great. We think we're going to put this out for RFP. And I said, what? <laughs> I, and, I'm sorry, I don't even know how to respond to that. Yeah. So he said, I think we're going to create a, a, an RFP, take what basically what I had laid out, and they were going to then turn that into an RFP request for a proposal that they would then s- send out to everybody that does what I do, I guess, and that they knew of or put posted on their website or whatever. So I was very uh, disheartened, as you can imagine, but uh, disheartened, yeah, putting <laughs> it mildly, I would have flipped out. Yeah. So they did the they did the request for proposal. They created it. They sent it to me. They had set a deadline, and I and they had some more specifics. So the propo- original proposal that I had sent to them didn't cover everything that they decided after seeing it that they wanted. They're like, Oh, well, this is great. And we could do this and we could do this and we could do this. So they created a a request for proposal based on my proposal that I had spent weeks on and Mm -hmm. they um, sent it out to everybody in the world that does what I do. I don't know who they sent it out to, but but more people than just me. (laughs) Right. But he, he definitely let me know that he really wanted me to send in my, send in a proposal to, for this RFP. So did you submit the proposal? I submitted the proposal and I of course did get it. They gave it to someone else. And I just I just left that whole thing just <sighs> feeling pretty crappy. But it was such a lesson learned. You know, I mean, I was trying to be helpful to them, but at the same time I was trying to impress them because right. of their name brand. And so you went a little above and beyond. I went above and beyond before I was getting paid before I even had, had, a, had the job secured. 
It's one thing to go above and beyond after you've got the job secured, after you have the contract in place. But they pay a deposit. Yeah. So yeah, I really, I learned a pretty valuable lesson on that one though. Uh, That's yeah. Don't give away the farm. I've been there, done that for sure. Yeah. And you can't get it back and it just leaves you so mad at yourself, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It it really did. And, you know, yeah, I spent a lot of time on that and I pulled my friend in and she spent a lot of, of time trying to, we were pulling together basically a proposal, a winning proposal. And yeah, it just didn't, didn't work out for me. So, (laughs) but I did learn, I did learn. And that's, that's important. That's so, but that ties in really well. It's kind of funny how, how kind of organically these are tying together. But my number four is people who pay the least want the most. Oh, isn't that the truth? So it's so I've, I found that that to just be true in just about every scenario. So I agree. I, I will second that. And so really the way, the only way you can mitigate that, I think clearly defining the scope of the project, making right. sure that they understand all this other stuff that they want to add is going to cost them money. Exactly. And it's not, not included. And then really the best way though, to, to handle it is just learning to spot them. Mm-hmm. Learning to, and you've got to kind of, trust your gut a little bit. And when you're first starting out, it can be difficult because you're just trying to get clients. You're trying to get as much work as you can to get your name out there, to make money, oh, yeah. to pay uh-huh. the bills, etc. And so you're, yeah, you are a little less uh, in tune, maybe you're sensitive to these, to kind of being able to read somebody and, and know if they're, they're going to be a handful Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I, uh, it's true. Oh, some of the yeah. worst. Oh. And even if you can spot them, then you also still have to have the courage to say no. Right. And that's a powerful step. That is a powerful step. And so, and not being worried that if I say no to this person, there's not going to be any more work for six months or something like that. You know, you have to be, you have to just have that courage and say, this is, this project's not for me. It sounds like it's going to be soul sucking. <laughs> right. like, you don't really want to say that, but you can right. think, it real good. <laughs> <laughs> think it. But being able to just say, say no and figure out the way to gracefully say that. So, and you can empowering. Always- and I think that when you say no, you're really making room on your schedule for the clients that are, that dreams are made of, you know, Yes. Yeah. I think I that when you're firm about your rates and you have the, the courage and the conviction and the follow through to say no, that's mm-hmm. when you get the good clients, the ones that you it, want to keep forever. Yes. You're, you seem to be attracting what you're, yes, what you're trying to right. attract. So, right. so yeah, that's one that I wish, uh, I wish I had known in advance. It, it, sometimes you just have to learn things on your own. Yeah. But sometimes those lessons are super, super painful you need to learn to spot them, then just have the courage to say no. Right, exactly. Well, and that ties in with one of the things I wish I would have known when I started is that there really is enough work for everybody. I think that we, Mm -hmm. we start out with the scarcity mentality, like I've got three social media clients, and there's only five in the world, or, you know, I mean, (laughs) yes. And so you can't say no to anybody, because oh my gosh, there's a limited amount, and you can't refer work to friends because, oh my gosh, there's only so much work and really there's enough work for everybody. There's enough work for everybody to have all the work they want. Yeah. And if you, 
you know, I've been in the situation even with I've got an active client where I've referred him to you or to someone else when I when I can't handle what he needs done. Yeah, he and, called me a couple of weeks ago and I referred him to, to someone yeah. else that we referred to. So yeah, but it's kind of it's it's scary the first time you do something like that because mm-hmm. then you wonder will he ever call me back? But the thing is, if you're providing good service. If you're providing a good product, good service, good work, easy, to, you're easy to work with, you meet your deadlines, et cetera, then of course he's going to call you back. You know, right. of course they're going to call you back. And the same goes with referring your friends, you know, or other freelancers that you know, it's going to come back to you. So when I send my overflow work to someone else, they're going to, there's, there's a lot of goodwill there. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't think there's anybody that I'm referring work to that's sitting back there going, I'm I'm now going to take over all of her clients. Ha ha ha. You know, they're not, they're <laughs> not doing that. that. They're not doing that. They're, they're grateful for the, the work and there's a lot of goodwill there and, and the, it, they'll, it'll come back to you. It's just, it's going to come back to you. So you need to trust it. And really, honestly, fellow freelancers are probably one of your most valuable referral sources. Exactly. Well, that was another point that I had. I think this was my final point. My number five was treat everyone as a referral source. It's not just potential clients. It's everyone, you know, because I have gotten a lot of the majority of my work has come from fellow freelancers. Hands down. Mm -hmm. Or from, mm-hmm. you know, followed second by, ex- or, you know, existing or previous clients. You've been great yes. referral sources too. Mm-hmm. But so can your friend from high school or so can your next door neighbor or whatever. I mean, every person you know is a potential referral source. And that doesn't mean you beat them over the head or hand them a card every time you see them. Mm-hmm. But I just think it's important to realize that you're going to get work from places you never expected to get yes, it. Yes, it's true. So what's your, what's your final or have we hit your five or are we on your third or fourth? We've got my, um, we're on my fifth one and it is, uh, (laughs) and I I have to laugh because I definitely had uh, some big ideas when I, when I left my nine to five job to freelance that I was going to have such flexible time and (laughs) I was getting, yeah, it is. It's really pretty cute. I, uh, I do have, my time is flexible. My schedule is flexible, but I don't have all, I don't have a lot of time. Like I thought I was going to every Monday, I was going to, my friend who's off on Mondays, we were going to go to the river or to a, to a hike and, and all this stuff I was going to have all this time. I was going to be able to slide the pieces around at will and just be able to have all this fun, you know, all this fun. Oh, of course. Of course. So mine is mine. The thing I wish I had known is you will work longer hours than you think, than you ever imagined. Amen. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I can't count the weekends that I've worked or the late nights or. Yeah. I work way harder for myself than I ever worked for anybody else. Yes, me too. And I, I don't regret any of it. I don't regret any of it, but it's, it's kind of funny that I just had this vision of all of this free time and my friend, Laugh become a woman of leisure (laughs) yeah because because she is just like oh yeah every time I call you you're working and you know you told me you're gonna have all this free time and she just laughs at me she thinks it's hilarious your time can be flexible you are able to move the pieces around but you're not working any less that's for sure you're probably going to be working more and as as you develop better clients and you and you continue to raise your rates which you should do 
you do open up time, you buy yourself some time to be able to do things that you, yeah. that you want to do. But, um, but yeah, don't kid yourself. If you're first starting out, it's, it's not a cakewalk. If you need to make money, you're going to be working a lot. Yes. And because you, you spend so much time, especially at the beginning, not just doing paying work, but marketing yourself. You know, there's oh, so yeah. much, there's a lot of unpaid labor that goes in on the front end of this. A lot. Yes. But yeah. it all pays off. I mean, it's all wonderful. But you do, I do like being able to move the pieces. I will say that, you know, if I have an appointment or if I need to take my mom somewhere or whatever, I can move my day around that pretty well. But mm -hmm. if I move pieces during the day, I'm eating dinner at my desk. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So you can like, my schedule can be flexible with planning, if that makes any right. sense. <laughs> yeah, I can be flexible with enough advance notice. So let's recap, recap your five. I'm going to put them in the order I wrote them in rather than the order we discussed them. Ask for a deposit. Mm -hmm. Don't give away the farm. You got to keep some of that information to yourself. You are a professional, you know, own your, own your abilities and your worth. Um, there's enough work for everyone and ultimately treat every single person you meet as a referral source. Nice. And what mine are, you? mine are not everyone will pay on time. So plan for it. <laughs> just count on it. You don't have to meet in person necessarily. So just remember, yeah, remember that that reduces your bandwidth. So if it can be done on the phone or by email, do it that way. Get help with your taxes. Yeah. And, uh, yes, yes. Always st stay on top of that. It's very important. You don't want, we don't, you don't want to be freelancing from jail. No, no. People who pay the least tend to be the highest maintenance. They tend to want the most. Yes. So learn to spot that and learn to say no when you are able or when you don't want to manage it. Yeah, exactly. Make sure you're charging enough. And then you are going to work longer than you probably imagine. If you're not <laughs> probably going to work harder for yourself than you are for anybody else, but that's okay because but you're the making reward is it's so worth it. I mean, I don't want, I don't want that point to sound like drudgery because it's so worth it. It is so absolutely. It. I wouldn't, I wouldn't want it any other way. So, mm -hmm. well, we want to thank you for joining us today. What do you wish someone had told you before you started your solo entrepreneur journey? Head over to our Facebook group, the women of Wobizzle to join the conversation until next time. Keep moving forward. You've got this.